This is Infertile Millennial, a podcast where we chat all things infertility, IVF, and surviving your fertility journey. I'm Emily Orlando, reminding you that you're not alone. Let's chat fertility. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Infertile Millennial. Today's episode is super exciting, and maybe I'm a little bit biased, but that is because today my husband is going to be joining us on the podcast. This week is National Infertility Awareness Week, and I thought, what better time than to bring him on and basically share his side of our journey and give tips of advice on being a partner, supporting someone who's going through infertility, miscarriage, and everything in between. But before we get started, I'm so incredibly excited to announce that Shop Infertile Millennial is going to be launching on May 4th at www.infertilemillennial.com. As many of you know, infertility is a struggle that my husband and I have been very open about. My passion for spreading awareness, breaking the stigma, and sharing our journey is very near and dear to my heart. As someone who struggled with infertility for six plus years, I wanted to to dedicate my platform to create a sense of community, allow those struggling to feel less alone, and make coping with infertility and pregnancy loss that much easier. Shop Infertile Millennial is a dedicated gift shop to show your support, send a little sunshine, and offer encouragement to someone you know struggling with infertility. So again, Shop Infertile Millennial is launching on May 4th at www.infertilemillennial.com. And without any further ado, let's welcome my husband, Dominic. So Dom, thanks for coming on. Um, If you guys stick around till the end of the video, I'm going to be having Dominic and I answer your guys' questions. You guys sent in so many questions, so thank you guys. And we're really excited to answer those questions for you guys. And also before we get started, I wanted to ask you, did you purposely flip that magazine downstairs upside down when you left it on the counter? <laughs> just the the entire cover is just a massively pregnant woman. Wow, like who puts, ass. who does that? I understand Mother's Day is around the corner, but if you could like intentionally not throw pregnancy and motherhood in people's faces all the time, that would be great. You know what I mean? Like it was a nice photo, but maybe put it on the second page and not the cover of the magazine that I don't even remember subscribing to to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't... I didn't throw it away because there was all the junk mail that I did. Oh, I, I wondered if you really just, like, intentionally it. put it there, but, like, upside down so I wouldn't have to see I a pregnant really, woman. I probably would have thrown it away with the other stuff. Yeah. I didn't... I, I apparently had to pay more attention to the mail now. That's, like, the thing with this time of the year is that everything is focused on Mother's yeah, Day. Yeah, I guess All of my point. emails right now are literally... Bump friendly outfits. And I'm like, okay, you know, like, yeah, I hate. It's really cool though. My sister said that Etsy actually has an opt out of Mother's Day promotions Uh, because they're thinking about all the people who are struggling with infertility and miscarriage and all that. And like, maybe we don't want to see that. And I understand the world's not revolving around us, but. It'd be nice not to have a giant pregnant lady on the magazines that I didn't subscribe to. You're already unsolicited (laughs) magazines, yeah. Do you ever have things that trigger you, like, throughout the day? Like, obviously, clearly, I saw that, and I was like, why is this being sent to me? Do you ever have things like that that happen to you that you're like, why is this in my life right now? Yeah, and and sometimes it's weird where it's a mix of feeling. Um, I think I mentioned earlier, like, certain things, you know, bring on a lot of, like, really optimistic and happy feelings. Like, maybe seeing, uh, you know, kids playing 
you know, catch with their dads or um, hearing a story, you know, for, of, uh, you know, oh, me and my kid just watched Star Wars for the first time and this is them, you know, reacting to this moment <laughs> for the first time. Like You're cool really big on, on <laughs> like, that's the, I just need you guys to know, this is the goal for him is that he'll get to show our child Star Wars. I think that's the one thing you're really looking forward to is showing our kids Star Wars. With the understanding that they might absolutely hate it and then that's great and that's just okay. Mm -hmm. Because on the flip side, something else I think about is, I don't want to get too long into this story, but me and my brother really got into hockey growing up, which is something like my parents hadn't even ever really heard of. My dad might have watched it a few times. So it was like we only kinda, your thing. We found it ourselves. It wasn't something our parents yeah. pushed on us. And they and they ended up loving hockey too, right? So oh, okay. the point being, you know what? Maybe my kids won't like Star Wars at all, but I'm excited to, to learn about the stuff they do like, if that's the case, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not that it's exclusive, but that's that's another thing where I, I'm excited to... For, for those kind of experiences like what other sports might they get into or other activities or instruments I don't know anything like that that's the kind of stuff that getting back to the original question like makes me feel like oh that's so cool like this is this is the that's a that's an awesome moment that people get to have and I can't mm-hmm. wait to have that and then it's almost like triggering it's almost immediately followed by like like so you could say that your trigger is seeing parents playing with their like elementary age school kids right because my trigger, and I think it's pretty common for women who are going through infertility, is anytime I see a pregnancy announcement or somebody pregnant in general, I don't like to be around pregnant women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my trigger because I really want to experience that. And then also newborns trigger me. Mm-hmm. But then after that, it do- I don't really care. Like I'm not your, the post of your child, you know, turning six months old doesn't trigger me. It's only that little small amount of time that really triggers me. I'm not really triggered by the child aspect like you are. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is, but I guess that's just what my trigger is. Yeah. I, I mean, I get I get the newborn thing sometimes too. Because, I mean, what do people do who have newborns? They flaunt the Cuddle shit out of it. them. Yeah. They make sure that everyone can <laughs> see how awesome. Put hats on it. Exactly, right? When we started this, we called this Project Sun Project Hat. Sun you remember hat. that? I yeah, really want a baby. I just want to put a sun hat on a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they need to be protected from the UV rays. They do. So. Oh, and they have little <laughs> tiny socks. <laughs> yeah, the socks, yeah. I love that. No, like I like little babies and I like tiny little things that I can hold. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Squishy things. Squishy, smelly. With small feet. I like that. <laughs> that are, that can independently thinking they're, they're doing their own things they're making yeah. their own movements and it's like amazing to see like, i know we're totally gonna be the parents who are like oh she farted yeah <laughs> she farted it sounded a little different yeah oh someone pooped yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> that's totally how we're gonna be we're so weird with the dogs we'll be like oh, look how it's sleeping <laughs> yeah it's in a little bit different position than oh. usual oh. Exactly. Did you always know that you wanted to have kids? No, not always. Were I, you like against it or you just didn't think about it? I really, oh yeah, I was not against it. I just hadn't thought about it until like, you know, we had been together for a little while. And then it was, it was something that kind of came out of our relationship that, you know, that's, that's something else we can do together that would be amazing that I want to do with you specifically. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it, it would be the same if it... it if I didn't love you the way that I do, like, I don't know that I would have developed that desire to have kids, you know, if, if our relationship wasn't what it was. Yeah. 
I feel like, I, I don't know, I was different before, but right now I feel like as we've been married this long, I definitely like just really want to have your specific baby at this point, you know, like I really want your baby. Um, I hope that it does get my weight because you were quite large when you were born. And I'm sorry, Dom's mom, if she's listening, <laughs> I'm really sorry. It's over 11 pounds. It was a pounds. big baby, 11 pounds. Yeah. So, but the, on the flip side, I was five pounds. So like any, something in the middle would be fine. Split the difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, excited to have your child, not excited for how large it might be. That is a little bit terrifying. It came out ready to go, right? Fully cooked. If yeah. not, if you might even want to say like overcooked. I went right might into have been Were you born on time? Do you I'm know? Not, I'm not sure. I'll have to ask. Oh my god. If you were early, I don't, I'm going to rethink this. Actually, yeah. I think I was a month early. I was about a month. I was a month no, early. <laughs> I was a month early. That's why I was so little. Well, five pound. But I turned out ounce, fine. Baby I was like five pounds, 13 ounces or okay. something like that. Okay. Well, that's almost six pounds. It's pushing five. Yeah, it's pushing six. <laughs> Pushing six. When I grew up, only ever thought about having children. Never thought about, um, I mean, I thought about getting married, but I didn't think about having children, or I'm sorry, getting married when I was playing baby dolls. I was always a single mom playing baby dolls. So I don't really know what that was about. I probably just was like five and didn't need a man. Of course. I was independent. Yes. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) it was always like that though. And then... Then there was one point in high school where I didn't want to have kids at all. And then while we were together, I realized like, yeah, I do want to have kids. Mm -hmm. But it was never one of those like, I have to have kids. It was just, I want to have kids. Now I have to have kids. Now I'm like so far into this journey that I'm like, I really want this. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I'm at the same point. Yeah. That's, this would be something that's pretty ideal to me. Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't mind having a kid or two. Yeah. Were you ever nervous to start trying? Do you remember when we first started Try? Yeah, a little bit because it's different. You know, you're not, you know, you're no longer, you're obviously doing things a little bit different with, you know, protecting things less, <laughs> you know. and uh, Yeah, you were a gatekeeper before we started trying. There was no trying to convince you to have children before we got married. Because mm-hmm. I remember when we were even engaged, I was like, it's fine. Like, we're close to getting married. And you're like, no, absolutely not. I am not trying. I don't even think you decided that you wanted to start trying with me until the month we started trying. Because you were, like, so against well, yeah, careful, going for it. Careful is careful, right? Like, uh, it, <laughs> yeah. was, it was deliberate. And so, like... Yeah. You were very... you. There was never any convincing you at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, like, an overly safe person in general, but no, I think... No, I think you are. Oh, I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you are. Well, what I would... Yeah. You're smart, and you think things out before you do them, I guess. Well, if better. you don't want something to happen, then you're not going to only do 90% of the things to keep it from happening. You're going to do all the yeah. things to keep it from happening. That's my... That's the way I tend to think, I suppose. Yeah, but then, like, somehow... I think we started trying, actually, I think we started trying like the week we got married because we were definitely already had been trying on our honeymoon. Mm. And I remember thinking, I literally thought I was going to get pregnant on my honeymoon, Mm -hmm. which is really funny to think about. Yeah. I remember thinking like, I was like, maybe I'm pregnant. Like, remember how like I just was thinking in the hotel room, like, oh, this happened. Maybe I'm pregnant. I was so, I already thought I was pregnant. That's how 
little I knew about how all of this works and to begin with. But yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, but I but even when we first started trying, we weren't doing any type of ovulation test or anything at all to actually track it for the first six months. Because again, like we were still really young, you were still in college. And the way we thought that this would fall, I remember is thinking like, oh, it'll take maybe a year and then I'll be pregnant for nine more months and then you'll you'll be done with college. Like that's kind of how we decided it because apparently that made sense at the time. But looking back, I'm like, that's so stupid. It could have happened the first month and then right. we would have been struggling with you in college and I have a baby and I was working full time and like, that probably wasn't the smartest idea. We just thought that it was a good idea. But yeah, and in this case, it's like, well, hindsight's twenty twenty, and obviously right. it was a fine decision because, you know, yeah, it, no. it wasn't gonna happen that way. Right? No, exactly. And then, but it wasn't until I think the following summer, so just before our first year together or t- t- married, not together, we I started to think like, okay, this is super weird that it's been almost a year of trying and we're not pregnant. And we were, how old were we? 21. 21? 22. Okay, so we were, no, we were 21 in our first year of trying because we got married at 20. Right, okay. So I think, yeah, you and I had both just turned 21 and we thought it was so weird that we hadn't gotten pregnant yet because it had been eight months. Even though it's natural for couples not to get pregnant for up to a year, it's totally normal. But I still thought just because of how young we were and all of that, I don't know, I started to worry. So that's when I started getting the ovulation predictor tests. And as soon as we started using them, I remember the very first time that I, like we tried to time it, you did get nervous. Like you were like, I don't know, I'm freaking out. (laughs) You did get nervous because that's when I felt a little bit more real. Like I totally remember that. It's definitely different. You know, when when you have that goal like in, in the front of your mind, it's it's you're you're doing it with a whole new purpose. Yeah. Of, of creating another life and so like that, that it's just different. That's all I can say is it's, it's a new, it's a different experience. Yeah, I think it puts like a little bit more pressure on you because mm-hmm. you're really truly like trying to time it on the dot, knowing that I might be about to change my life. I think mm-hmm. that's part of all of that really so what was like the worst part of IVF for you so I think for me it was having to sit around and just kind of watch the physical things that you had to go through Mm -hmm. and and do so ultimately kind of being helpless uh you know there's only there's only so much I could do to help you through some of that stuff like I can't I couldn't do the injections on my own body for you obviously right um, I couldn't do the surgeries to myself. Like that's obviously not going to work. Like you had to do, you had to carry the brunt of the, the physical load. But yeah, it's it's hard to have to just sit idly by while someone you love is going through that kind of stuff and having to inject themselves with medications all the time and go through surgery after surgery. You know, and you don't have to do much physically of anything. <laughs> right yeah so except for like run out to the store at 10 p.m at night when i'm craving gummy bears or something like physically you have to do that. sure <laughs> and then like when you compare it it's like that's like nothing right yeah so it's 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 tough to have to watch someone go through that that's that was tough for me but you were so good about i mean even the first round we'd never done this before you were so good at taking initiative and just like okay, what can I do? I don't know. You've always been like that though. You've always been really good about, even on a normal day when we're not going through fertility treatments, you just go out and buy me flowers or 
candy that I like randomly just because like you know that I like treats and gifts <laughs> but you're really good I feel like about taking initiative I mean wait, it's always really been like that you take initiative about chores around the house that I don't like to do we've never really had to have that argument of oh my gosh how come you never do this I mean I hate doing it but I need you to do it but you never do it you just have always taken initiative about whatever you can do to help me I feel like you do yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's just to me a relationship thing. Yeah, uh, which is, I mean, the same thing with IVF, right? It's like yeah. taking initiative and just doing whatever you can when they can't do it themselves or they don't want to do it themselves. You know what I mean? Like that's, yes. maybe that's why you're so good at it because like you're good with it with everything else. So this just came naturally to you, really. It's just more of that and, you know, add a couple other maybe extra chores in. Yeah. Whatever it is. But, yeah, in general, I, I, I would advise anyone, if, you, if you're in a relationship, you would hopefully want to do that. Yeah. Kind of stuff for your partner. Like, show them. And obviously, everyone has their different languages, right? Thankfully, ours, though, is the same. Maybe that's why it works so well for us. Because ours is both. Is it acts of service that ours both is? Yours definitely is, or but at least I, was. It, yeah, acts of service is mine. But I, I think you took the test recently. Yours was the same. I'd have to look back. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. It sounds right, but... I, I think we had the same one. Because like, acts of service is like doing the dishes. If there's a cup in the sink, you hate that. So I put it... You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Things like that. So I don't know. I think it's helpful that we know each other's love language and we do them. Mm-hmm. Which totally strayed away from what the worst part of my is. Yeah, what are we talking about? I don't even know. But yeah, I mean, for me, as the person who had to physically go through stuff, I think the worst part was just having to wait around for each step because you have to do everything so perfectly timed and give up your body to do whatever you have to do but then you have to wait for the results or wait for the surgeries to be scheduled or the transfers and you're just I'm basically waiting around and everything's out of my hands and it sucks because it's my body but yet it feels like it's completely out of my hands even though I know that's not true it just feels that way so like waiting around to get the phone calls and the news and everything that to me was the worst part yeah that th- those those periods of time are always good at creating anxiety and stress. Yeah. So what do you think was the best part of IVF for you? The best part to me was the actual transfer procedure itself. So we've done that now twice. And it's a little hard to explain, but it definitely was the way it went was not what I expected. So It's, it's like shockingly intimate. Yeah. You would not think that of a medical procedure. Yeah. So, because we're both there and you see the embryos, you know, in the little Petri dish with the camera showing them before they go in. Yeah. And then we're both there as it happens and they get put in and we're just, we're there together and it's kind of this weird, I mean, it's a, it's a medical procedure, yet it felt so intimate, like you said, and, and I like, to me, like I like magical. the word euphoric or magical. Yeah, euphoric. It was yeah. so, it's just weird because like... The lights are dim and everybody's really quiet and you're holding my hand and we literally get to watch them go into my uterus and then we get an ultrasound showing that there they are. Yeah. And who gets to do that when you're naturally trying? Like right. you never get to see the embryos you created. So I've always kind of joked with my mom of like, you know how they do that in the yearbooks where um, when your kid's graduating and then like they get to put a baby photo in there. 
I was like, we should totally put their embryo photos in there. Because, like, that's the youngest photo of you. Look how cute you were. I love your little round sack of cells. They can use that for their throwback Thursday or yeah, something. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't even know if... That might be... That might age us by the time that they're older. They'll be like, throwback Thursday. Yeah. You're so old. Yeah, I feel like that by far, the transfer is the best because it feels like you finally made it to the finish line <laughs> in a way. Obviously, mm-hmm. you still have a way more to go because even when we found out we were pregnant, we were still nervous the whole time and then, like, obviously, we miscarried, but... I feel like it's like a never... That's like the start of parenthood. You're just constantly worried about your child at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like from the get-go. Yeah, we got a taste of that. Yeah. But then for me, the best part was... And this is just very specific to our journey, but it was going to Shake Shack after our transfers and hysteroscopies. It was like a little treat. Shake Shack is bomb. It really is. I really... Like, I'm... That's part of the reason why I said, yeah, let's do another round of IVF so I can go to Shake Shack. An excuse to go downstate to get <laughs> It's really Shake just Shack. a giant excuse to go to Shake yeah. Shack. What surprised you the most about our IVF journey? A lot of things. <laughs> Basically every step of the way and every step that... The entire journey. <laughs> yeah, that didn't go how we thought it would was a surprise, right? Because mm-hmm. having to do IVF at all was a surprise, right? And then... I never, yeah. if you told me when we got married that we were going to have to do IVF, first of all, I probably would have said, I'm not doing that. Because I think I didn't even want to try it at one point. Mm-hmm. Even though we knew it was something we were going to have to try, I think I was like, no, I'm just not going to do it. Right. But you'll be surprised about what you're willing to do when you're going through infertility. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I never thought. Yeah. yeah. It definitely tests like, how much do you really want this? Yeah. That they get each, and then it not working the first time was obviously a surprise. And then super surprise. There were so many individual challenges, challenges presented along the way. Like each was like a surprise, like really like this is how this happened. Like so many times, so many things were surprising because every step of the way it was like, oh, well now you just have to do this and, and it'll be okay. And then you do that and well, yeah. it wasn't okay. So now right. you just have to do this and it'll be okay. And so on and so on over and over. Yeah. I'm definitely surprised that not only did we do two transfers, now we're doing a third and we still don't have a baby. I would have for sure thought that if one didn't work, the second would. Mm-hmm. That I think is the most shocking to me, even though we know it wasn't guaranteed. It's super shocking when we still don't... Like, I'm just surprised that we still don't have a baby yet. I think that's the most shocking. That and then, I mean, I've said this a million times, but how expensive medication is for IVF. Do you remember... I mean, I was thinking, A, it was going to be covered. (laughs) So that was one thing I was shocked about. But do you remember when we were talking with insurance... To yes. find out how expensive this was going to be. Yes. And you told me, you were like, oh, it's going to be like four grand. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I, I literally thought you were, you misheard her and she probably was going to say like 400. And I was like, there's no way. And then so we called together the insurance lady and she was, she not only delivered us the news of how many thousands of dollars it was going to cost, but she also kept reiterating, oh God, oh my, this is so expensive. And I'm like, gee, thanks for the reminder. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you have to say that? She was so yeah. rude. She's like, oh my, oh my God, wow. 
oh, this is going to be really expensive for you. She thinks, I already know that. Um, you don't have to comment. It was a particularly weird attitude. That it was, was so weird. Extremely unhelpful, I guess is the nice way to say it. Yeah, so that was really surprising about not only how expensive it is, but then you have to order it all at once and right. pay for it all at once, which was very shocking to us. Mm-hmm. And it's not a part of your initial bill that the IVF clinic gives you. It's a completely separate bill. So not only are you... Because I think also within that same week they sent us what we should expect to pay. And that kind of made my heart sink a little bit. But then finding out that the medication is so expensive, that was surprising. (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely jarring. It was. Yeah, that's definitely my top three most surprising facts about IVF was the medication. Mm -hmm. And then you don't even use it all. We have a whole box downstairs. So we paid all this money and like half of it's still unused. It's a lot of leftover. Yeah. Whatever that stuff was called. Menopure and yada yada. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my menopure. That stuff burns. Would not recommend. (laughs) (laughs) Was it hard to give me injections? Because you did have to give me probably like half of my injections yeah there were certain ones because of where they needed to go i had to do right so i'm someone who's generally really gets queasy around needles and medical surgical procedures and like that kind of stuff particularly talking about it though makes me very uncomfortable my legs get shaky and i get weird when it came time to actually do it i was totally fine it was a lot of like all the conversation that led up to it freaked me out more than the actual activity itself. Yeah. So when it came time, I didn't really have any issues giving you the injections. If you had issues, I would not have known about it because you were so good about giving me the injections. You were good about talking me through it because I was nervous too just because it was a different spot on my body that I'd never had one. And the injections you had to give me, the needles were thicker and longer. And that's just scary to me. Like needles don't actually freak me out that much, but it does freak me out a little bit when it's somebody who's never given me an injection and the needle is the biggest needle I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That does freak me out a little bit. And there's stakes too, of course, like you don't want to do it wrong. Oh yeah. Cause we, I mean, how many times did we have all this tension before we'd give a new injection like do you remember all the times we were like are you sure this is right are you sure this is right yeah because there were some that were so they had to be given at certain times i think especially the stims ones the ones that stimulated my follicles had to be given don't you remember that like between seven and in the eight. morning or something no no, no at night though like the progesterone okay. had to be given in the morning that didn't really matter about time but the other ones like oh you have to give her give this to her between like 6 and 7.30 or 7 and 8 or something like that. Yeah, and so that specific. was kind of like nerve-wracking to always have to do that. But then one of the, I think the first trigger you ever gave me or the first injection you ever gave me was my trigger shot, which is the most terrifying injection to give to yourself because A, it has to be given right on the dot at a certain time to help release the follicles you've been creating in order to do an egg retrieval. And it has to be given like, I don't know, 36 hours before retrieval. So it could be any time of the night. Luckily ours was at like 11 p.m. on a Friday, not that out of the ordinary for us to be up that late. I remember being so worried because you'd never given me an injection yet at that point. And it had to be 
in the right spot on time and that was the most nerve-wracking thing we've ever done and then when you did it it was so easy we like we were worried about it for nothing i remember yeah no it was yeah same thing when it came time it was okay that wasn't so bad yeah i was like oh that's it and you're like yeah And then, but you're just, you were always really good about talking me down or just kind of like walking me step by step with each move you're doing. You'd be like, okay, um, one, two, three, like, and then you put it in and you're like, okay, it's all the way in. I'm going to inject it now. And then you'd talk me through that. And then you're like, all right, I'm taking it out. And then like, okay, I'm going to wipe it and clean it and put a bandit. Like he, every single time, no matter how many times we did it, you talked me through every step, which I think is really helpful. Yeah, that was it's interesting you yeah kinda, it's like teamwork you even get used to it a little bit <laughs> yeah it became our morning routine yeah because we had to do that every morning yeah. with the progesterone which is like a nightmare in itself but what kind of advice do you have on supporting your partner through IVF yeah so this is a good question there's a lot of answers to this that are you know potentially really good but I think the biggest thing that I'd point out is making sure that you are communicating clearly and openly with how you're feeling, like both parties, right? Like make sure that you're letting your spouse, you know, into your world and your emotions of how how things are affecting you. It's This is already an isolating thing. And so to feel, to not be completely clear and open would make it even more isolating. So to me, that's like the biggest thing, the biggest piece of advice I would give. And I would also, ask your partner what they need from you during this time so it's not just about communicating what you want and need but then also asking your partner what do you need from me or come up with a clear plan of who's going to take care of what during this journey definitely because whoever is going through the physical treatments definitely needs help with things because they're already going through physical things more emotional things because of hormones or just the journey in itself and they have to physically be at every appointment like there were a few there were plenty of times where you didn't have to come with me because there was no sense so it was a lot of my time just driving to go get my blood work done half an hour away half an hour back a lot of things like anything you could do to make my journey easier or our journey easier i should say you were always so good at making sure that all the bills you took care of So if a bill came in and like, oh, nope, that should have been free, that should have been covered, you had to call insurance and make get it adjusted and then have them resend the bill. And then if we knew for a fact that bill was good to go, you made sure to pay it. I never had to deal with all that stuff, which is really good to know. And that's what works for us because that's something you can do and I don't have to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then that's like... That sounds like a small thing, but that's... You know, no, it's a huge thing that's, for that's me at least. That's a lot. Like if anyone who's, you know, dealt with insurance companies are... It's so stressful. It's time consuming and stressful. Yeah. Um, and, and like reordering my meds, like we'd have to reorder things a few times. And it was just helpful that you could do that for me because there were so many other things that I would have to do. And it was nice to have someone take care of the things that really, truly, like I didn't have to do myself. Mm-hmm. Anything I didn't have to do, he basically did for me. And I think you took care of dinners, especially on the days where I had to do a surgery or a transfer. You took care of the dogs. Like you just were really good about taking initiative and doing whatever you could to make it easier on me you know yeah relieve as much pressure as possible because there's only so much a limited amount of things you can do to help you know from the from the man's perspective but 
Yeah. Any little thing, like all of it can add up and you don't want to leave anything. Yeah. Yeah. What about advice on supporting your wife through miscarriage? Similar thing. Make sure you're being open and communicative. Communicative? Yeah. I'm going to go with it. (laughs) Okay. Go with Uh, it. About how you're feeling yourself because you just don't want her to feel alone. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. If we were honest, probably... And so this is going to sound so annoying, but we don't often argue. Like, I'm going to be real. Like, we really don't argue. I will say that we probably argued the most in our relationship after we miscarried because I was not aware of how you were feeling emotionally. Because, I don't know, it felt as though it wasn't bothering you as much as it was me. And it might be possible that that's true, which is totally fine because technically... I did have to go through all the physical stuff and see things you didn't have to see and feel things you didn't have to feel. But when you don't communicate your emotions, I automatically feel like, oh, then it just doesn't bother him. And how come it's not as important to you as it is me? And so that caused a lot of friction between us because you weren't communicating. So it is so important that if you're hurting to also say, this affects me too. Yeah. You know, because I think, and I don't take anything out on you. I think you genuinely were trying to be strong and like do what you needed to do to help me because you were so helpful when I was miscarrying. Like really, truly so good. I don't have any complaints, but it builds up other issues when you don't tell me how you're feeling or show any emotion at all. That's where it gets like kind of dicey and like that's where we end up not communicating well or I see things differently than they are. Yeah, and, and like in addition to all that, there's the obvious things that we kind of talked about before of like, yeah, we can do some extra things around the house or proactively get, you know, yeah. some of the snacks or treats. That I mean, you that like, should that really go without saying. Like, yeah, that's the do, easy answer. Do things yeah. that make that person happier makes their life easier yeah. for sure. But then to take it one step further, like even though you wanted to be strong, there, there has to be a balance of like, I'm yeah. being strong and I'm going to help her. But also say, I just want to let you know, like, this hurt me too. And this is how I've been feeling about it. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is the most helpful thing you can do. Or one of the most helpful things. Absolutely. What do you wish other people knew about our journey? I guess I wish they knew about it earlier. So it's kind of twisting the question a little bit. But yeah. I think it, it things are easier the more you know the the more people are the more support you have exactly i definitely wish yeah we we were more open about it when we started our first round of ivf because the difference in the support we had when we went through our first round versus being completely open about our second was just it made things feel better I felt more supported i felt like we were more supported it felt really nice to have people like, I, I mean, I even had, like, an aunt stop by right before I transferred to give me a nice gift. You know what I mean? It, was, it just makes the difference of, like, okay, people are caring about this. People want us to succeed. Mm-hmm. It felt really, really nice. Yeah. So that's, to me, that's what it was. I just wish that we had, you know, brought more people in the know, I guess, sooner. I just wish that people truly understood what it is we're going through not necessarily saying like i wish everyone had to go through this i just wish people understood really truly how hard it is and that's what made me want to share our journey and to share every step of the way on video um on instagram anywhere that i can possibly share it 
I really wanted to show people that it's not like we just went in, took an egg out of me, put a sperm in it, and then put the embryo in and called it a day. There is so much work that goes into it and so much emotion that goes into it and that it's not as easy as it sounds. It's so difficult. There's so many hoops to jump through and I wish people really truly just understood what people with infertility are going through. Mm -hmm. Not only like physically, but emotionally how hard it was. I, I don't think people understand. And I know like you probably can never understand, but I wish there was a way to really like get people to, to get it. Yeah. And it seems like, it, it feels like it's, you know, more often too, it's men, right? Who like can't empathize as much. Yeah. Um, not exclusively, of course, but. But I've had, yeah. I've had women comment on the stuff I share who are still just no empathy and mm-hmm. I don't understand it, but uh, it is what it is. You can't like teach everybody everything. I just wish people really truly knew. And I think the more you share your journey and talk about it, the more people will get it. But it's, yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where no one's ever going to get it, but I wish people could. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about going into a third round? That Yeah, so that's a great question. Yeah, <laughs> because this question might've been different last week. But we've had a lot of discussion with our nurses and doctors, which I'm not sure I'm not going to share a lot about during this podcast because either I have shared it already this week or I haven't shared it yet. I'm I'm still deciding. Um, tomorrow we'll f- we're going to have a call with the nurse and we'll get a better idea of what's going on. But we've barely even entered this journey and we're already having a roadblock that I just can't understand. Like I understand it, but it's crazy that we I haven't even done anything yet and we're already having a roadblock that we have to make a big decision about so yeah so in this particular moment i'm a bit stressed out i am too right but there i definitely did you sleep last night because i didn't well i always sleep sometimes it's hard to get to sleep (laughs) yeah you do sleep pretty hard yeah i was tossing and turning all night i like i had the worst anxiety i feel like we have a lot of big decisions to make but at the same time the bigger picture i feel really good about it's just figuring out this hurdle that we have to figure out and hopefully tomorrow we'll have an answer, but, and I know I'm being really vague and that's annoying if you don't know what's going on, <laughs> but I'm hoping that I'll have shared this before the podcast comes out. And if not, it'll be very soon afterwards that I'll share something on like Instagram or YouTube video or whatever, but we were just kind of last night hit with some interesting news, I guess, and it's kind of scary and then it's also could cause postponing and so we're just both i think not sure how to feel and each of us for different reasons which is i know this is so annoying it's so big and i I just because i don't know if i'm going to share this yet that's why i don't want to like you know like spill the beans yet but i don't know i feel really anxious and i just want to have that phone call which goes back to what i've been saying about that whole waiting period it's so annoying about having to wait so long to get answers and get phone calls and like that to me is the most annoying part mm-hmm. about IVF and like and I get it it's there's nothing we can do but I just feel anxious yeah the, the, the in recent weeks days have been every day's maybe been different yeah for sure of days are different some are more optimistic and excited and others are more stressed out and you know less hopeful so it, it changes I guess throughout (laughs) because I feel like yesterday before we got that phone call we were in really high spirits and then we got that phone call and we're like oh my god what the heck what do we do Mm -hmm. 
And so that's where we're like, now today, if you would have asked us this question yesterday, we would be like, we're so excited. We feel so good about it. Right. But now I'm like, I'm so nervous. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're going to be postponing for a second. I don't know. It's a lot to think about. And that, that's the thing is like, that's why I get frustrated when people say, oh, we'll just try again. It's like, it's not that easy because like, look where we are. Like, all the hoops you have to jump through, it's insane. Are you or someone you know struggling with infertility? Shop Infertile Millennial is a dedicated gift shop for women and couples struggling with infertility and pregnancy loss. Help show your support, send a little sunshine, or show encouragement to the infertility warrior that you know. Shop Infertile Millennial launches on May 4th at www.infertilemillennial.com. All right, so let's get into some of the questions that the viewers have sent in. I asked weeks ago for you guys to send in questions specifically for when Dominic comes on here and just kind of questions about our marriage, questions about trying to conceive, about IVF, miscarriage, infertility, and all of that. So the first question is, do you think when trying to conceive, you should tell anyone? I am going to go first and say no, because there's really no reason for anyone to know you're trying to conceive when you first start out. And I feel like that's going to add a lot of extra pressure. And like we talked about before, it's already adding a little bit of pressure when you're starting. Why add more by having people constantly check in on you and ask like, are you pregnant yet? Or, oh, maybe you're pregnant. And like you just, those comments are just unnecessary and you're going to get them all the time. And especially if you end up like, you know, like us with infertility, we used to get questions all the time about things or comments and they're just so annoying. And like, why put yourself through that? I think just let it be between the two of you. And then if you want to share it with someone, it has to be someone who's going to be supportive and who's not going to bother you, who's going to let you share it as it unfolds. But don't, I don't know, I don't think it's necessary until maybe you get to a point where like, this is taking longer than expected and I'm nervous, but get ready for those unsolicited comments that we hate of, oh, just relax, it'll happen, stop stressing. That's when all those comments come in. So the more you share your journey, unfortunately, the more you're gonna get these unsolicited comments. Mm -hmm. So if you're prepared for that, I guess, but I'm telling you, they're not, <laughs> they're not fun and it's just, it's probably better to just kind of be private about that until maybe you know, you get news about something else with your journey. Yeah, or certainly be selective with yeah. who you ultimately do end up sharing information with could be helpful too. So yeah, it's, it's unfortunately, it can be a factor of, you know, the audience and how they might react. Yeah, it's important to really truly determine who is going to be supportive for you on this journey because you have no idea how it's going to end up for you. So it's important to know that whoever you're going to tell, you, without a doubt, they'll never be unsupportive. I think that's important. Mm -hmm. So the next question was, can you share some details on your male factor infertility? Yeah, so the detail details are... <laughs> the deets. The deets. The beats and deets. Battlestar Galactica. Anyway. I was thinking, of, never mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> So the, the details are, the specifics are 
I don't have many sperm and the ones that are there are not. There's like a couple and yeah. most of them can't be bothered. <laughs> they're shaped pretty funny and they don't like to move much at all. So they're kind of, you know. But they're like really nice guys and they have great personality. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's the gist of what's going on as far as why it was, you know, explained to me as No, much. but for real, he has low count. <laughs> you need to explain because they really truly were asking. Okay. You have low count low morphology and low motility so what that means is not a lot weird shaped don't want to move right <laughs> also me <laughs> yeah, right. um so and the reason being it was was trickier whereas some for some folks like there is like an actual injury could cause something like that um or something that's you know very visible to a doctor immediately um but in my case it's something more like you know the the parts of my brain that are supposed to know how to create that weren't sending aren't sending the right instructions basically to the parts of my body that are supposed to be creating sperm right yeah and there's not there's basically no solution to that in in some cases and so i did i was put on one medication um which improved the count a little bit but not enough to make a meaningful difference what was that medication for people who are... Because that actually is a question. It's, they they asked, did you try any medication? So what was that? Yeah, it was Clomid. Yeah, that's so that's really, really common for people to be put on during fertility treatments and stuff like that. So... Yeah. Yeah. And it, Yeah, so like I said, it didn't make a meaningful enough difference, really. So unfortunately, like, I don't have a great explanation. No one yeah. does. Well, because that's the thing, too, is like... I feel like when men get diagnosed with infertility, they're just like, yeah, you got it. So here's the bill. (laughs) There's no like, and maybe there isn't anything they can do, but it just does seem a little weird how there's so much you can do with the female body, but for some reason there's no surgeries or anything that they'll recommend. Mm -hmm. And even if, I know there are for certain types of male factor, but it seems like what you've been told is, yeah, it's just genetic. And it's like, okay, so like really there's nothing else we can try. Right. Think of all the experiments we've done on my body when I don't even have the infertility. But think about it. Like, mm-hmm. that's crazy to me. I don't know. That's always bothered me. But that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> so was there anything that you changed about your lifestyle when you got diagnosed with that? Not really. They do have suggestions for that kind of stuff. Um, but most of it wasn't applicable to me you know tried to be somewhat active which i you know was enough i think i was playing sports at the time or something but you know don't Mm. smoke cigarettes kind of stuff yeah um avoid too much soda which we never drink so like the thing is like that that's the weird thing about why you have this is like we've always been very healthy right so it's just so weird that yeah you didn't really have to change your lifestyle because mm-hmm. we already like ate pretty balanced and don't smoke cigarettes, don't drink a lot of pop or anything. We don't sit in hot tubs for a long, you know what I mean? Like it did, nothing really made any sense. That, yeah, there were some things that you, that were like myths that they kind of told me. The hot tub thing was one of them. That's Actually, a myth? Yeah. Oh. It is impactful in it's, the, in a particular moment. Okay. Probably like when you're in the hot tub, it's, right? It's or like basically afterwards. anytime you're too hot or too cold, your body reacts in a certain way, right? So okay. like when your body is too hot, 
you know, in Maybe that moment. Maybe you're just like always too hot or too cold. And I guess, yeah, there could be something to that. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Just like change your temperature and that's how you'll get pregnant. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, if you had been recently in a hot tub, you know, within the past, I don't know, a few hours, a couple hours or something, it would make a difference, but it yeah. doesn't have long-term effects that they know of. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I could understand the hot tub thing for sure. Okay, so... The next question that came in was, does your husband feel deflated? Mine seems to. Yeah, so I'm the husband, so I'll answer this one. Uh, That's probably good. <laughs> yeah. I uh, feel deflated. Yeah, definitely. You know, especially upon first finding out, I was incredibly deflated. And then, you know, that feeling still comes and goes. I remember then. when you first told me. Do you remember? Yeah. Because, yeah. like... I didn't know you had your results yet, and we were at our very first apartment together, and you just randomly, that one night, you were like, would you love me no matter what? And I was like... I said that? Yeah. Oh. And I'm like, what are you about to tell me? <laughs> like, Uh-oh. I was just so like, what? I was like, of course. Why? Why? <laughs> What'd you do? <laughs> um, but... Yeah, you were like, well, you love me no matter what. And I was like, yeah. And then you were like, I got my results back today. And so before you even said anything else, I was like, what in the world? Because I think like part of me just one of the reasons that we got tested was just to to make sure everything was fine. It was just all in our head because we were so young. We weren't trying that long. Mm -hmm. And so it was a little bit shocking to me that there actually was something wrong. But I remember that's how you told me was, will you love me no matter what? And I'm like, uh, yeah, why? And you're like, and then you told me that, I I think you even had the papers, Mm -hmm. but you were like, yeah. So it turns out that there actually is something wrong with me. I think my first thought was actually a little bit of relief because it's like, okay, that makes sense now why this isn't working because it's I'm not crazy. Like, mm-hmm. there really was something going on. So it was a relief of like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, this just seems weird. I don't know if it hit me until later, like a long time later, like maybe even like a year later or something that, oh, this is really truly not working, you know? Because I yeah. think part of me was like, oh, well, we still have a chance. It's not like it, it's at zero, right? So part of me was still always hopeful, but then as the years go by, you're like, okay, this really truly isn't working. This is frustrating. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like, so, but aside from that, I never really felt like you were upset, upset about it or like felt bad about yourself or anything. I mean, I did. I do. I guess. Okay. Well, now I know. But I don't, I mean, I understand like why you might, but I don't think you should because I don't look down at you or like uh-huh. you know what i mean yeah i mean it's what it is as far as the question being about yeah do you feel deflated and yeah definitely yeah but it's i mean a- that's how you feel so you can't change that you know right the next question was how does your husband feel about his infertility and this was asked a few times so how exactly do you feel about it uh i mean i owe this answer to the previous question asker and i guess deflated is a good a good adjective because it is kind of like that. It's something that just a, a normal thing you expect your body to be able to do. And, mm-hmm. and in this case, it just doesn't. So when you kind of start to see the world like through a slightly different lens, I guess, of like, oh, yeah. crap. Well, this is supposed to be a normal thing. And mm-hmm. that, and it's just, it's just not in my case. 
so all, all the expectations people have around things are just you can't meet them and so it's uh that that's the the source of the deflating feeling so yeah so this next question was asking at what point did you realize you needed to try ivf so from my memory because like i said we were really young when we first started trying and when we learned about what was going on with you and then we tried the medications we stopped the medications at one point because it wasn't working that well and i think at that point we were like all right this isn't working but let's wait until it was i can't remember it was either when we turned 25 or when we bought a house and i don't remember which one Mm -hmm. um we bought a house before 25 so i want to say it was 25. Mm -hmm. so i think we were like okay when we turn 25 if we're still not pregnant because we knew we still had a chance it wasn't like zero but we basically were like okay 25 because that's five years of trying if we haven't started we'll look into other options so i'm so number one when we decided to move forward with other options besides natural we looked into adoption versus ivf and you were the one who realized that our insurance company covered ivf which we did not think that was going to be a thing Mm-hmm. And we went into it thinking that adoption would be cheaper and adoption was going to be guaranteed. But as it turns out, adoption is actually much more expensive than IVF if it's not covered. Even if it is covered, or if, even if it's not covered by insurance. Even if IVF isn't covered by insurance, adoption is still more expensive. Yes. Which yes. is crazy to me. But anyways, ours is covered. And so not only was IVF covered, but both of them aren't guarantees which we've come to find out after all the research we've done so the reason that we decided to do ivf was because it was more affordable because i was actually very against doing ivf for years because it's not guaranteed and i'm like that's so much money to just like throw out and see what happens but if it works it's obviously worth it but if not you're still not with a baby and also out a bunch of money yeah which is super frustrating but it can be like that with adoption as well mm-hmm. But the reason that we realized we needed to try IVF is because we met with our fertility doctor and he looked at everything, all of our charts, and he was like, you're not candidates for IUI. It would never work. And if you're not familiar with IUI, it's just cheaper. And it really just involves making me ovulate at a specific time and have more eggs ready to go. And put it's, and then like it, injecting his prepared sperm into me. But that obviously doesn't work with the type of male factor infertility he has. They didn't want to risk that. Mm -hmm. So basically what made us realize is that A, we were told by a doctor that we had to. And B, we gave it a lot of time naturally to start. So then the next question is how long does the IVF process take from start to finish? And it's supposed (laughs) to take six weeks. I want to say our first round was pretty normal. I don't think... It's about that time. It's yeah. about six weeks. Because I don't know if they count the birth control part of it or not. I guess I that would make sense. I think ours was about eight weeks. Because I had to get a hysteroscopy. Not everybody does. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. But it's very common to get one still. But our second round was a huge roller coaster of up and down and pausing and starting and going. And it ended up taking like... We started that round in December. I didn't transfer until March, mid-March. Mm-hmm. Or around mid-March. 
So that ended up taking so long. Um, that was shocking. So IVF, I think in general, as a rule of thumb, they say it takes about six weeks start to finish. But it all depends on your body, how you respond to things, what happens. And so it kind of goes back to just taking everything day by day. Because, yeah, you can say six weeks, but truly it, it depends on your body. And that's what we've learned. Yeah. There's a lot of factors, a lot of variables. Yeah. How did you make your decision to share your fertility journey? I think we previously mentioned that we wish we would have shared it earlier, but I think what made the decision was that we had gone through an entire round of IVF. It was extremely stressful. It was really emotional. It didn't take. So it took a huge toll on myself. I'm sure you as well. I went through a grieving period, and in that grieving period, I got the urge to type out what we had just experienced and how I felt about it. And I did that in my notes app on my phone. And then I kind of like lingered on that for a minute. And then I was like, what if I shared this and was really open and raw on Instagram about what we just went through? Because we both went into our first round of IVF saying, oh my gosh, let's record everything. And then we'll make it our pregnancy announcement of look at all this stuff we just had to go through in order to get pregnant, oh my gosh, like what a great announcement. And then I didn't get pregnant. So part of me was like, maybe I should still share this and say this was supposed to be a pregnancy announcement and it wasn't and this is hard. And I think being raw and honest about what you're going through, especially if it's something serious that like a lot of other people are going through is really important. So I asked you, how would you feel if I shared with literally everyone on social media what we just went through and why. Because number one, it's not just my journey to share. It's yours as well. And if you were not okay with it, I wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I asked you. And I actually debated even asking you. I was like, I don't know. Like, this feels wrong. And then I don't know. I just, because I was thinking about it for days, I finally was like, are you cool if I share this? And like, without a doubt, no hesitation, you were like, if this is going to make you feel a little bit better, absolutely. Yeah, it was exactly that. It was, well, if this is if this is going to help one or both of us, then like, if there's even a chance yeah. it will help, then yeah, let's and do it. It's okay. I didn't even think about the fact that it might help someone else. I was just doing right. it because I was like, this is going to make me feel better, just opening up and being raw. And that way, no one else in the entire world will ever ask again when we're having kids <laughs> and that was yeah. another like reason yeah but truly I was like I just think this is good to be raw and like I was in a really depressed state at the time and it was hard for me to continue posting on social media and being fake and being like look at me in this cute outfit but really I'm on the couch crying because I haven't gotten up for three days because our transfer failed that we worked so hard to get through So it was really important to me to just start being more raw and honest. And yeah, I mean, it was really just because like I had the urge and you were totally cool with it. Totally cool with it. Yeah, love it. Love it. Totally cool with it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really what made the decision. And I'm so glad we did because the difference from our first and second, the first where we kept it a secret from most everyone we knew to the second of everyone knew the support was just tenfold like it was so much better it felt better and i don't think i would have been able to make it through the miscarriage without having that support yeah absolutely how do you deal with friends and family being pregnant around you i would say we're really lucky 
that we've never really had to experience that a lot because A, like I said, we've gotten married really, really early. So a lot of our friends aren't even engaged as far... I mean, I can't really think of anyone... I've, I've had a friend who's gotten... I've had two friends who've gotten married, but I can't think of anyone else like were both of our friends that got married or mm-hmm. you know like not really many of our friends even have gotten married yet i think a few people have had babies but again like that all happened way before we did ivf right and then since then we haven't really had anyone close to us get pregnant so we've been really really lucky with that yeah i guess it's a timing thing of yeah how it worked out so we haven't had too much of that but I think to answer the question, though, like, I guess, how would we deal with that? You know, should that have been, you know, should that happen <laughs> coming up or whatever it is? And it's that's that's tough, right? So I think... Like, communicate yeah. to them. I mean, that's the thing. We're so open that people already know we're going through this. They might tiptoe around us. Mm-hmm. But it's still important for us to say, hey, this is how I'm feeling about this. Can you not talk about it around me? I think that's important because for me, like I said, pregnancy is a trigger. I cannot handle seeing pregnancy announcements. I can't handle hearing about someone's baby right now. It's just hard for me. I There's nothing I can change about that. That's just what affects me. So it's important to just communicate like, you know what? I don't want to hear about pregnancy updates. It's not you. It's me. This is bothering me and I'm still very happy for you but for my mental health and my triggers like I just don't want to talk about it right and then also you know if it's bothering let's say it's like for us it that bothers me so if somebody had a preg or not a pregnancy announcement but a baby shower invite sent to the house my husband wants to deal with it he's like I'll deal with the baby shower I'll deal with going to buy the gift or sending it out or whatever it is I don't want you to deal with that yeah. And, but thankfully, we really haven't had to deal with that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that we would just communicate and be open. I think that's the most important part. Somebody who really truly loves you and understands your journey is not going to get mad at you for that. Right. They're A gonna... good friend is not going to get mad at you for that. Like, they have to be understanding. Mm-hmm. But you also have to communicate that. And so the next question was how to respectfully decline a baby shower. So again, being honest and communicating and saying, I love you. I'm so happy for you, but I can't do this for my mental health. This is too hard on me. Please tell me where I can send a gift because I I still want to support you, but I can't do this. So I hope that you can understand. Mm -hmm. Just letting him know, like being really honest, like however you're feeling. And also though, don't automatically assume you won't want to go when the time comes. Leave it open, but beforehand, let them know, probably not. If you change your mind around the time, that's fine. But always communicate how you're feeling and be as straightforward as possible, I think. Don't leave room for error of them thinking you might go or it's because of them or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, I think communicating clearly is, is again, important there. And and then, yeah, if they're if they're really a good friend, they'll understand and respect that yeah. boundary. All right. So the next question was, how did infertility affect your marriage? So I personally think it affected us in a good way. Number one, because I think we already had really great communication skills to begin with. But I also think it helped deepen that. It helped us learn a lot more about each other. I don't know. It just strengthened us as a couple. 
Because mm-hmm. we did argue a little bit more during fertility treatments. Not like fight, but we definitely argued because of the situation, not with each other. We were fighting for the same thing, basically. Like we're both arguing about the same thing, mm-hmm. which sounds ridiculous, but that's, I mean, that's bound to happen with this stuff. Yeah. I think it can be looked at maybe as a test of sorts. Yeah. Um, it's really going to push. Definitely the <clears throat> biggest test of our marriage by far. Right. It's, that's definitely going to push, uh, you know, push a couple to like, this is, you're going to have to, this is going to suck. Yeah. Frankly. And it's going to be hard and anything, you know, hard things are hard for individuals, but to go through things together, it's helpful to have someone, but it also, you know, it, it can be stressful on a relationship. So I think, um, I think you're right though. For us, it was like ultimately like, you know, made us stronger together. So, and I think like we look at it as our infertility, not just, oh, it's my husband's infertility or it's my wife's infertility. Like we look at it like it's our infertility and it's our fertility journey, which is why I asked you to begin with, can I share this? Is this fine? Mm -hmm. Because it's our journey that we're talking about here. I feel like we went into it with a good mindset. What has kept your marriage strong? I mean, it kind of goes back to what I was saying. I feel like we already had a really good foundation to begin with. And like I said, we're good at communicating. And I think communicating is what keeps it strong. Yeah, And then back to what you said earlier too was being proactive about helping your partner and supporting your partner through this journey. Like it's not just about what they tell you, but also like trying to do things to keep the other person happy without them telling you what to do. Right, without asking for it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, communication is always probably the first answer to, to, you know, question this question or or similar ones, but it's just, it it is that important, right? And, Mm -hmm. And having, I mean, having an absolute commitment to each other and like, wanting to go out of your way to do things for the other person to help them yeah i think to me is like not because you think you should or because they asked or because you're expecting something in return but because you want ideally like you just want to do what you can to help that person yeah right that's to me like that's how i how i kind of look at things because that's something that that i've felt you know having been married to you now, like I want to do things to help you because yeah. you want to. Well, and I think like the other thing is that we are genuinely best friends. Like I, I, people who know us have even said to us, like we're not like we're annoying, but like we, it's very clear that we genuinely enjoy each other's company yes. and that we always want to be around each other because like one of my favorite things about us is how hard we make each other laugh every day like literally last Saturday we were talking in just the dumbest conversation but laughing so hard and being able to speak to each other exclusively in lines from Key and Peele is helpful yeah absolutely (laughs) it is yeah but like and that like just we understand each other's humor and like I don't know just being best friends in general and really loving being around each other as much as possible i don't know i like your i never we've been in quarantine together for over a year haven't left the house and are not sick of each other like it's crazy and i and i would have predicted that too like i I would yeah yeah, i mean you would have thought though at least once you'd be like oh can i just have a day 
But really, I don't feel that way with you, which mm-hmm. is crazy. I just think we have a really good connection. And it might just be because, you know, we communicate well, we make each other laugh, we like each other. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to answer that question because, like, I just feel like it comes naturally to us. Mm-hmm. That sounds so annoying of me to say, but it really is true. Any tips on how to console your partner when they when they get into funks? My partner doesn't know. Yeah. So communicate. I mean... Number one, as the partner who gets in the funks, you should communicate, I'm in a funk. Because I do that to you. I always tell you, like, I'm sorry, I'm irritable, I was, I, I got triggered today, it's not you, I'm in a funk. Mm-hmm. So, I think, number one, the first step is, as the partner who gets in the funks, to communicate that to your partner. I'm in a bad mood, if I get irritable, it's not you. But then as your partner, I mean, what would you say? You know, those days where I'm like really triggered and upset. I think that actually happened last week when I was cooking dinner and I was like, I got to go take a shower. I'm not eating. I feel like, you know, that was one of those days where I must have been triggered by something because it was so random. Yeah, I think if you can, you know, preemptively or, you know, it'll probably happen once or twice and then, you know on a different day, if you can try to communicate and ask like, well, you know, if you are feeling like this, you know, what is the thing that, what is the best thing I can do to help? Yeah. And it might be, it might be nothing. It might be probably just leave me alone unless I say otherwise, you know, (laughs) or do this. Cause that can be the case sometimes. Sometimes someone might just need a minute to themselves Yeah. to, you know, to breathe or whatever it is. Um, Or there might be other things. So if you can like preemptively understand like, how to help your partner in those moments i think that can be helpful yeah but i think it comes back to both of you communicating yeah. like you as the person who gets in the funks communicate this is how i'm feeling this is how i might act this is what would help me and then your partner also communicating and asking like hey i noticed that yesterday you were maybe like in a funk is there anything i could have done it's so annoying we keep coming back to it but truly communication mm-hmm really asking the questions that need to be asked. Don't assume assumptions always lead to um, getting your expectations lowered, basically, or like- Not being met. Not being met, yes, that's the word. So yeah, assumptions, no no one should ever assume or expect anything, you should always just communicate. Yeah, yeah, we can't say that, I mean, it feels like a broken record, but like that's yeah, it because does. It's, that's because it's important. <laughs> like we've though. said, take a drink for however many times we say communicate, right. you'll be yeah blackout. But <laughs> tips on supporting each other through grief. I would say let your partner grieve for as long as they need to, and don't be judgmental of what it is they need. Because I remember feeling it's nothing you did. It was my own, man, like I've been in bed for three days. I should really do the dishes or I should cook dinner tonight. Because you remember how one of the first nights I went to go cook dinner after a miscarriage and I got so frustrated with the process that I like threw the spatula and left everything on hot and I went upstairs Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I was so overwhelmed by the task. And I thought, well, I typically cook dinner. I should be. Not that you ever made me feel that way. It was my own thought process. Mm -hmm. So allowing your partner to like if they're in bed like let them know like hey it's okay if you don't do anything today and maybe i need you to like reiterate that for me or like reconfirm that for me but i put pressure on myself a lot if i don't do enough and that's only that's my own self Mm -hmm. saying that 
I know that. I felt like, oh man, it's been four days. Like, that's annoying. Like, I should get out of bed. Even though you were probably like, I don't care. But like letting each other know like, hey, it's okay to take as much time as you need to grieve. And I'm here to help you in any way I can. Yeah, just, yeah, don't be judgmental about yeah the the what what the grief is about and this can be applied to any other things too right yeah don't be judgmental about the length that someone might be grieving or what it is about that they're grieving or um, whatever they need while they're grieving like right. if they want to eat what like out for meals every day don't be like oh we just got food yesterday like no like if that's what they need then like just let them have it yeah just keep in mind that you know they're going through something and so Mm-hmm. you know show a little i guess understanding and, and grace okay the next question was are you also happy without kids i mean yeah yeah for sure because the thing is we've talked about what's going to happen if we don't have kids that are ours i think we have a good we have a plan regardless of if we have kids or not that will make us both very happy we have a lot of goals that will make us both very happy i think yeah like we're not when we plan for our future we're not planning with the idea that we'll have kids we're kind of just planning of this is what we want to do and kids might come along with it or not we're crushing it with hitting all of our goals i feel like and yeah i'm i mean definitely happy for sure would it be upsetting to not be able to have kids yeah but it's not like a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, I can't have kids. I should move on. Right. Because like, oh, I only want to move forward in my future with you. So the last question that came in was, do you guys go to therapy together? And if so, is it something you'd recommend? So we don't actually go to therapy together. We go separately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't feel like we need it together. Yeah. I mean, it might be something I'm interested in in the future just because it's nice to... Like, therapy is great. I recommend therapy. So if so if you're asking if I recommend it, absolutely. Because I wish I had started therapy well before I started IVF because I didn't realize that I was grieving fertility before all of this. I didn't realize like all the anxiety I was having was because of infertility. And I'm glad that I went through it because it gave me all of the tools to cope. And so now I feel really great about that. But yeah, I mean, we don't go together, but again, we communicate really well. So if you don't communicate well, I would probably recommend, yeah, maybe you couldn't hurt. You know, therapy can never hurt. Yeah, I guess we can't personally recommend it based on our own experience, but in going individually, I think is still helpful for each other. Yeah. Because um, I, at least for me, I've learned, you know, why I feel certain ways at certain times, and I understand that better. And so it, that helps, you know, me be a better person, obviously, but it also helps me understand what she might be feeling or why, or you know, yeah, have a little bit more understanding of other people why they might be acting the way they are, what what's driving some of that, like potentially. So there's still value in it from a, as a couple's perspective to have gone individually too. Yeah, because that I can recommend. I definitely like when I was talking about the whole triggers thing and and how to help someone or how to help your partner through IVF. I can't tell him that oh I was triggered today if I didn't know I was triggered today. Mm. And so therapy right. has helped me become aware of how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling that way. I am so self-aware now. Like, even my therapist, she's like, you are so self-aware. You're, like, it's clear you're aware of what's going on, and that's really great. 
But I don't think I would have been able to notice all of that and understand that if I hadn't gone to therapy. And that has helped our relationship because now I can tell you, I can come home from somewhere and I'll be like, I was triggered today. I'm in a bad mood. Just don't mess with me (laughs) today, you know, or like, or you might be aware like, oh, today something happened because she's acting this way or whatever. And and then I might acknowledge it later, but therapy has definitely helped tremendously with just acknowledging my own emotions and and probably you too. Yeah, no, I, I agree like that. We can, I can definitely recommend that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. That's the end of the questions. Thanks for making the long trip upstairs to come be a guest on the podcast in the house that you live in. <laughs> yeah, I don't typically make 25-foot commutes for anyone, so... Yeah, yeah, but I'm special. Exactly. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening. It was really nice having my husband come on and share his perspective of our fertility journey and miscarriage and help give some tips. Hopefully, this will be helpful for you or your partner to listen to or somebody you know struggling with infertility. So again, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and I hope to see you back.